0: Hi, everyone. This is Bernie Ree with another episode of Intro to Zen Online. It is Wednesday, April 1st. Um, so just uh, today, uh, a new issue of the Williams Record came out and includes an article uh, written by Nigel Jaffe about um, how Integrative Well-Being Services, uh, which is the Psychological Services at Williams College and different faculty uh, like myself um, are um, Doing things to respond to the mental health challenges um, created by the pandemic um, And so it's a good article. I encourage you to check it out, especially because I think it includes information about um, what IWS is offering Uh, now that we've gone to remote learning um, in terms of uh, distance therapy options, things like that, I get the sense from the article that um, there's not a a lot of um, familiarity among students about what IWS is doing right now um, for students. So um, especially if you're a student at Williams College, uh, I encourage you to check it out of course to follow follow up with I, IWS as well. Um, but, uh, but Nigel um, sent me a few questions uh, when he was working up the article um, because he saw what I was doing with this podcast as um, part of an array of responses on campus to um, you know, the mental health um, challenges posed by what we're going through. And um, so, I responded by email, and of course, as um, is natural for a newspaper article, he only used um, a very um, small bit of what I sent him. Um, and also, I'm an English professor, so I'm, I'm wordy, right, so I wasn't all surprised that very little of what I, I wrote him ended up um, in the article, though I was really, you know, I was, I was happy that um, that he spent some time talking about his podcast. Um, But um, So I thought that what I would do to begin this um, episode is to read um, two of his questions and the full text of the responses that I sent him by email as a way of um, saying a bit more about how I think meditation, um, as I'm talking about in this podcast series, can help people who are struggling um, because of the pandemic. Uh, I think some of you are coming to this podcast because you've had long-standing meditation practices and this is just a way that you are continuing with that practice. But some of you and maybe a good number of you who are listening to this podcast have found your way here because you're having a difficult time. because of what's going on. And, um, and I'm, I'm glad you found your way here. It's really um, good to have you here. And, um, and even if you're in that former category of having practiced for a long time, I mean, perhaps for years, um, and you would be practicing whether things were hunky-dory now or not, even all of you are, are of course, also very likely having a very hard time, as am I. Um, I mean, the news is has been bad for a long time it, and in many ways seems only to have gotten uh, more frightening, darker, more worrisome um, in recent days um, as the predictions about the mortality rates um, have, um, have become clear. Um, Anyway, I mean, so you, you all, I'm sure, are keeping up with um, what's going on, and are, and, I, and I'm guessing many of you are feeling a lot of what I'm feeling, what a lot of people around the world are feeling, um, anxiety, fear, sadness, frustration, anger, the whole gamut, right, of the difficult, kind of, difficult kinds of emotions that um, the pandemic is, is, is creating, right, in its wake. So um, what can meditation do for those of us who are feeling these kinds of difficult emotions, sometimes very intensely? Um, so uh, let me read Nigel's questions to me. I'll read my responses. I'll say a bit more. And then afterwards we'll do um, a guided meditation that will speak to um, what i'm about to say that will be a way of putting into practice some of what i'm about to talk about at a more intellectual or theoretical level i think um i just want to say that you know i think the most important thing is the practice right it's the doing of the meditation that's where results will come from at the same time i think it can be really helpful Um, No matter where you are on the spectrum of experience with meditation practice, whether you're a total beginner or someone with many years of experience, it's very helpful um, from time to time to think about what we're doing when we meditate. Um, Thinking about it, ideas of meditation will never ever be an adequate substitute for the practice, but the practice can um, be enriched by thoughtfulness. Um, And indeed, practice in the absence of thoughtfulness um, or sort of some kind of clear-eyed perspective of what meditation actually is about can sometimes just be a waste of time. So so even if you're impatient to get to the practice, um, bear with me. I think it will be fruitful to spend a few minutes thinking about what meditation can do for the psychological and emotional struggles we're experiencing um, during this pandemic, or at any time in our lives. So, um, so one of Nigel's questions to me was this, and I'm quoting his exact language. The lifestyle changes brought about by the pandemic are different for everyone, sometimes to starkly differing degrees. When it comes to promoting healthy practices in response to those challenges, is there such a thing as a one-size-fits-all solution? In what ways is meditation adaptable to diverse circumstances? And that's the end of his question. And here is uh, my response to him verbatim, and I'll I'll elaborate on it a bit later, but let me just read it verbatim. I don't believe in one-size-fits-all solutions for most things, and I definitely don't think a one-size-fits-all solution for the profound distress that's being created by the coronavirus pandemic. Each of us has to figure out what works best for each of us individually. So for some, meditation could be incredibly helpful right now, but it may not appeal to or work for everyone. But I think it's definitely worth a try. I know I wouldn't feel half as sane as I do now without my meditation practice as a support and I've heard from a number of people who have been using my podcast that is proving helpful to them too, which makes me really happy. That's why I'm offering it to the community. As to how adaptable meditation is to diverse circumstances, first, it's important to be more specific about what I mean by meditation. The word meditation actually refers to many different kinds of practices with many different kinds of goals. The basic type of meditation I teach which incorporates elements from a number of Buddhist traditions, Zen, Theravada, and Tibetan, is aimed at cultivating insight into the nature and working of one's own mind. And it does this by encouraging a mindful awareness of one's present experience. For those who have never practiced meditation, the very idea of meditating can seem mysterious or esoteric, but it's actually totally down to earth. So. Mindfulness of one's present experience during a given meditation session will typically include feeling sensations associated with the breath, like in one's belly or nose, observing when thoughts and emotions come up and experiencing how those emotions feel in the body, and then inevitably getting totally lost in daydreams and fantasies, and then noticing that and coming back to the breath over and over again. Over time and with regular practice, one develops the ability to experience whatever thoughts and emotions are going through one's mind and body without becoming unbalanced or overwhelmed by them. Before we begin meditating, we naturally tend to identify with our thoughts and emotions. For example, we don't just have an anxious or fearful thought or emotion, we are afraid or anxious. With practice, however, we can begin to develop the ability to observe our thoughts and emotions, even intense ones, like the ones many of us are experiencing these days, without identifying so readily with them, without becoming overwhelmed by them. So it isn't about changing how we think or feel. It's not about positive versus negative thinking. It's not about somehow generating feelings of calm and tranquility, which would very likely be fake and pretty brittle at this moment but rather about transforming our relationship our relationship to whatever we happen to be thinking or feeling. With practice, meditation actually enables us to notice that we are having anxious or fearful thoughts without actually becoming anxious or afraid. And because meditation is ultimately about awareness, there's no particular way it has to look in practice. We can do it sitting in a chair lying down on a bed, or while going for a walk outside, or while doing anything, really. In fact, I recently recorded instructions for walking meditation on my podcast, and I suggested it not only as a wonderful complement to sitting meditation, but as a good alternative for those who just feel too agitated to sit still. And meditation can be done anywhere. It's regularly practiced in jails and prisons. I teach meditation down at the Berkshire County House of Corrections, in schools, in monasteries in hospitals and hospices in public parks and in noisy apartments anywhere there is a human mind there is a potential for mindful awareness anywhere there's a mind that is suffering there is a possibility of freedom from suffering through the practice of meditative awareness so That's my uh, long-winded answer to his first question. I'll just read one more question, and one slightly less long-winded answer. So uh, Nigel's other question was, um, as a long-time Zen practitioner, do you recall any comparable times of widespread uncertainty in which you were able to use meditation to promote the well-being of yourself and or others? Has Zen been with you as a lifelong tool in that respect? Uh, So before reading my response, I'll say it's been a lifelong tool for me. I began meditating when I was uh, 16 or 17, moved to a Buddhist temple when I was 18, lived there for three years, a little over three years. And ever since Zen meditation has been, I don't know the right word, um, I mean the ever-present support uh, in my life. except for my family, the most important thing in my life. Um, and so, uh, and I, I turned to meditation because at that age I uh, felt intense psychological suffering. Um, and indeed, I think meditation, people who turn to meditation often turn to it because they're suffering. Um, and I'll say a little bit more about that now in my response, which I will now begin to read, again, verbatim. So here is what I said to Nigel in response. My son was hospitalized with necrotizing fasciitis when he was 12 years old. If you don't know what NF is, look it up. It's bad news. It was unclear at first whether he would survive, and he ended up spending 19 days in the pediatric ward at Albany Medical Center, during which he had four separate surgeries to control the infection, and the wound recovery took months. The psychological recovery for all of us in the family took even longer. Meditation was a lifeline during this ordeal, not just for me, but even for my son. I remember one day when even intravenous Dilaudid was unable to manage the pain after his second or third surgery, and he was experiencing the kind of pain that robs one of the ability to speak. All he could do was moan and rock back and forth. Seeing how awful he felt, I offered him some meditation instructions to help with the pain. And they worked. Like with the example of anxiety and fear that I mentioned earlier, the sensations of pain were still present, but he was able to observe them, just be with them in a way that helped him not feel so literally overwhelmed by them. That's what meditation can do. It can produce a sense of spaciousness around even the most painful, difficult feelings. One of the things I appreciate so much about Buddhist meditation is that it's perfect for those times when everything seems to be falling apart, when we are standing at or even tumbling over the edge what we can tolerate. Indeed, I would say that meditation may even be easier to practice when things are hard or difficult. When we feel good, like life is already good, it can be hard to make ourselves meditate. It's precisely when things feel like hell like we're hitting some kind of bottom that I think meditation can feel most urgently necessary and when it has the most to offer us. Um, So I think one thing I'll add right away is that um, even when life is feeling good, when everything feels okay, when things are quote unquote normal. I think we can all agree that, especially now, that we are always just skating on thin ice, ice that can crack at any moment, unbeknownst to us. Um, Life, health, what we call normalcy, they're all fragile. Um, And I think this pandemic... um, is a really good wake-up call to that. Um, it is, of course, extraordinary, unprecedented, all those things. And yet um, the fragility of our inner and outer well-beings that the pandemic's produced are always um, a possibility, right? Um, and so I think those who have long time, long term meditation practices. Recognize this fact that um, that even when life is good, um, it's good to uh, cultivate those qualities of mind. The kind of um, awareness and meditation helps us um, gain that can help us at those times because they will come, no matter what. When the ice cracks and when things fall apart. Um, And so this is not to be a downer, this is just to be a realist, right? Uh, So here's to those times that are wonderful. I want those times back, right? Um, Happiness, joy, they're wonderful. Um, But suffering is an organic part of life, and always um, shadowing things, and so meditation practice is a way to be ready, right, to um, to cultivate those qualities of awareness that allow us not to be um, overwhelmed, unbalanced by uh, those difficult times. Um, the difficulty being both outer as well as inner. So um, so in my response to the Nigel, I think I made pretty clear one of the crucial benefits of meditation practice for times like these, which is that it um, allows us to relate to negative or difficult or painful emotions in a different way than we ordinarily do. Um, Ordinarily, we identify with our thoughts, um, both positive and negative, but especially when we identify with our negative thoughts, it really can um, get a spiraling um, and feeling really, really bad, right? So when fearful thoughts, anxious thoughts, uh, worried thoughts come up, we don't just see them as part of the passing show of consciousness on part of the passing weather of the mind, as it were. But rather we identify with those mental phenomena and we become afraid. We feel um, anxious. We identify with the panic, which we then uh, feel anxious that we won't be able to stop, right? Um, So... One of the crucial things that the kind of awareness practice that we've been practicing in this podcast series allows us to achieve is a slightly different relationship to whatever passes through the mind, where um, we don't necessarily feel as identified with the contents of that passing show. So there are a couple things to be said. One is, it is actually possible, uh, I speak from my own experience, and I speak knowing the experience of many, many other people in the world who have practiced these methods, to feel um, the physical sensations associated with something like anxiety or fear, and yet not to be anxious or afraid you can observe them, watch those sensations and the thoughts that are associated with them arise, emerge into consciousness, see them hang out for a while, and then see them pass. Um, because everything passes eventually, uh, as long as you don't hold on to it. Um, the interesting thing is, if you resist feel those feelings, like anxiety or fear, if you feel deep aversion, you really just want them to go away, it's actually even though what you're thinking you're doing is pushing it away, you are feeding those feelings, giving them more energy, giving them more reality, Um, and so therefore actually holding on to them, giving them more life than if you just watch them. If you watch negative emotions come, you can also watch them go. But if you identify with them, even in the form of aversion, like, oh my God, I don't want to feel that. I don't want to feel that, right? It feeds those negative emotions. They get more intense because anything you try to push away gets more intense. Um, And they end up becoming stronger, having a more powerful and perhaps even overwhelming impact on your psychic stability, completely destabilizing you potentially. But they also last longer. Because the more you fight something, the longer it's going to hang around. So um, there's a kind of spaciousness, as I put it in my response to Nigel, a kind of freedom um, that comes with this kind of awareness practice. But it's not because we change how we're thinking. It's not because we're substituting anxious thoughts with positive thoughts. Um, you know, different forms of positive thinking, different kinds of therapy that would ask you to think positive things in place of negative things, they're just, um, they may work temporarily, but those fixes um, are fragile. Um, And if they work at all, they're not going to work for long. And the beautiful thing about this practice, it doesn't actually ask you, doesn't require you to change anything about how you are Um, it just enables you to transform your relationship to how you are so that when anxiety emerges you don't have to become panicked like oh my god the anxiety is coming again just watch it come up in fact watch it with curiosity with compassion even with interest like explore what the anxiety feels like Um, and then explore what it feels like to see it pass as well. This is a kind of freedom that is all the more powerful and empowering because it doesn't send us the message that we're not okay as we are. In fact, it says we are okay as we are. It's just inviting us to adopt a slightly different stance towards how we are. We don't have to think different thoughts, we don't have to feel different feelings, we just are being asked to watch what we think and what we feel um, in a slightly different way, a way that doesn't identify with it. Okay, so for those of you who have been doing meditation for a while, I think this will be clear. But I think for those of you who are relatively new to meditation, some of this may have made sense, I hope it did, but some of it may not have. And um, don't worry if not all of it made perfect sense. meditation practice isn't something you need to understand with full intellectual clarity to benefit from or to practice well in fact i would say that you need to practice some in order to understand it better Uh, they feed into each other so if you only feel like you got a bit of what i said that's okay just now let's go into the practice and over time the practice and the understanding will feed into each other reinforce each other um, and your overall feel for what we are doing will deepen organically over time. Um, it requires patience, it requires time, and it requires some discipline in the sense of what I'm asking you guys to do in this practice runs against so much of especially mainstream Western culture which is all about feeling good as much as possible, as much of the time. Um, What I am suggesting is that the actual road to feeling good when you're feeling bad is to give room to those bad feelings, to let them be there. Um, It's not to get rid of them, not to push them away in favor of some more positive feeling, but actually finding a freedom that comes from making room, making space for however you're feeling, whether that's good or bad. Uh, Thich Nhat Hanh, this wonderful Vietnamese Zen teacher, has this pithy way of describing what I'm talking about, which is the way out is in. If you want freedom from the negative feeling that you feel are overwhelming you at this difficult moment in history and in your life, the way out is actually in, but in using this time-tested millennia-old method um, of cultivating unmindful um, awareness. So, um, after that um, very long introduction, for which I apologize, but I hope it was helpful, let's get into the practice, okay? So please um, assume a comfortable position, And um, that can be sitting up or lying down. And I think the key things, as always, to look for in a meditation position posture is a straight back, a back that's straight but not rigid, and a front side that is open and soft so that the breath can move freely. And to begin this sitting or meditation session, if you're lying down, please take a deep breath in through the nose, deep and slow. And exhale through your slightly open mouth and exhale slowly, drawing your out breath out a bit longer than would be natural. Please inhale again through the nose and exhale slowly through your slightly open mouth. And if you're feeling any anxiety or any difficult emotion right now, when you inhale through the nose, visualize, try visualizing the breath being drawn in through the nose to the place where you're feeling some anxiety, perhaps this tension in the belly or the chest. And imagine your breath being drawn in through the nose to the place where you're feeling that difficult emotion, and as if you're oxygenating that place of unpleasant feeling. And exhale now, everything out slowly through your open mouth slightly open mouth. You can even feel the breath passing your lips, feel the sensations on your lips of the breath. So exhaling out slowly in this way activates the parasympathetic nervous system, which helps settle the body. This technique of breathing in slowly through the nose and out through a slightly open mouth is a good way to settle the body and mind and emotions when you're feeling agitated it's a really good self-soothing technique to help regulate your emotions when they feel dysregulated when you're feeling hyperarousal agitated taking a deep breath in through the nose and exhaling through a slightly open mouth, slowly. It's a great way to settle. But now that we've done this for a bit, please let your breath come and go at its own pace and depth. And that can be shallow or deep, quick, or slow. And as much as possible, try not to exercise any control or manipulation over the breath. Let the breath breathe itself freely. You may notice, however, that you can't help but exercise a bit of control over your breathing because perhaps this is something you've done habitually for most of your life, which is the case for many people. It's often something you don't realize until you start meditation practice, how regularly you've been controlling your breath, not letting yourself breathe freely. And if you discover that's happening, then just observe control that you're exercising over your breath. Try not to compound it, don't add any more manipulation than necessary, but it can be counterproductive to try to loosen that grip of control, it's almost like using force to get rid of force. The recipe for softening that control is just awareness. Awareness, simple awareness, letting things be, heals with time everything. So just watch how the breath feels. And if you haven't done so already, please bring your awareness to the inside of your nose and feel the sensations produced there by the passage of air in and out. The sensations of the breath in the inside of your nose and the soft tissue in your nostrils may be very subtle and hard to feel at first. Just be patient with time and with practice. Those sensations will become clear and more vivid. But if you can barely feel the breath in the nose, That's fine. That's what it is to feel the breath for you right now. And there's nothing wrong with that. Just feel it however it feels. See how granular you can make your awareness of the sensations of the breath. Really sink in to those sensations, become intimate with them. Feel how they change moment by moment from the beginning to the middle to the end of every in-breath and out-breath. For the next few minutes, let's work on our concentration and just focus single-mindedly, one-pointedly on the sensations of the breath in the nose. So if any thoughts or emotions or sensory input distract you from the sensations of the breath, just Gently but firmly, bring your awareness back to the breath. Don't worry about what thoughts, what emotions, or whatever it is that pulls you away from the breath. Just do your best to stay with the breath and come back to it as quickly as possible every time you're pulled away. Just stay with the sensations of the breath and the nose. Nothing else matters, just the breath. And now let's begin to open up our awareness a bit, so it's not so single-pointed. As you continue following the sensations of the breath in the nose, include in your awareness the sounds in the environment around you. So you're still attending to the sensations of the breath, but not so one-pointedly. It's a more open and soft kind of following the breath, which also has room for an awareness of sounds around you. And as you open yourself up to sounds, don't worry about identifying sounds or listening for this or that sound, but be like a satellite dish, just open and receptive, passively taking in whatever sounds come your way. And see if you can hear all of them at once as you continue feeling the breath as well. If you can't quite hold both in your awareness at the same time, that's okay. You can toggle back and forth a bit, but see if you can feel the breath and hear everything around you at once. you continue to follow the breath and hear all the sounds around you, I'd like you to add a third reference point, which is the sensations in your buttocks, resting on a chair, a cushion, or if you're lying down on a mat or on your mattress, whatever you're lying down on, just feel the sensations in your buttocks while you also follow the breath and listen to all the sounds around you. The only way to do this, to feel all three things simultaneously, sounds, breath and buttocks, is to soften and open your awareness, which is the point of this practice. So we're not single-mindedly following one thing like the breath, but being open. from now on, if thoughts or emotions pull you away from the breath and the body and sounds, please take note of what thought or emotion has pulled you away. Just a mental note. Are you planning? Are you worrying? Are you thinking about this or that? future event or person or whatever it is, just silently acknowledge what it is that's pulled you away. And then come back to the breath, to the body, and to sound in a soft and open way. Basically you're just practicing being here. Attending to the physical reality of this moment, which includes the breath and sound. If it feels too much to try to track three different anchors or reference points, don't worry. Just use two like breath and sounds, or please feel free just to use the breath. It's good to try using two or three anchors once in a while to help open up your awareness. But especially if you are new to meditation, it might feel hard. It will come with time, but right now, please don't worry about it, and just pick the breath or sounds or just the sensations in your buttocks, and use them as the place to keep coming back to when thoughts or emotions pull you away. When unpleasant emotions, feelings, or thoughts come up, take special care to note how you react to them. If you feel, for example, anxiety in your belly or chest, is there some part of you that feels aversion? that feeling wants it to go away. What does that aversion feel like? What does that reaction feel like? Approach it with curiosity. Open-mindedness. Just see what it is. Are there thoughts involved, like, I don't want to feel this way, or, oh no, there it is again, or I don't want to get anxious, or perhaps you're just feeling anxious, already identified with anxiety and running off into worried fantasies. Just notice what the process feels like, and notice if There's resistance to that feeling, aversion. Is there tightening up around it? Are you clenching up around the sensation? Just notice that. No matter what is going on, no matter how unpleasant it feels, just watch. And then keep returning to the breath, to sounds and your buttocks, to stay grounded in the moment. Ultimately, this practice is just about being present, feeling what's going on now, which is why we use things like the breath and sounds and the body, because it keeps us anchored in the present. And beyond that, we're just watching, we're just observing, observing the ways we get pulled into our heads, we get pulled out of the moment into worries about the future or ruminations about the past. The beautiful thing is there's absolutely no way to make a mistake because we're just watching, watching the ways that we are in the moment and they get pulled out of the present moment and that will happen over and over again. Please be gentle, so gentle with yourselves because you will get pulled out of the present moment, repeatedly. If you judge yourself for that, feel frustration because of that, just notice that, that's just more thinking. If you give yourself a hard time for how badly you're meditating, notice that. And as soon as you notice that, You're being present. It's beautiful. No matter what is going on, you can just observe. And you will get pulled into what you observe, lose perspective, and then just notice that. Just watch. And just keep following the breath. Keep listening for sounds around you. And if you like, keep also feeling the sensations in your buttocks while you watch as ways of keeping you grounded in the present. going through such hard times now. So please, I beg of you, don't use meditation practice as another way to beat yourself up. It's an opportunity to approach whatever your experience is with gentleness and acceptance, even if what you're observing is frustration and impatience and resistance and aversion, whatever you are thinking or feeling, just observe that. And by observing that, you are perfectly inhabiting the present moment. In just a moment, I'm going to sign off, but please feel free to continue meditating even after this recording ends. If you're relatively new to meditation, this has been a good, solid session, but if you like, please continue on, and I will see you all next time. Take good care.